0: Hello, and welcome to Field Notes, the weekly podcast of the Military Fellowship Center in Jacksonville, North Carolina, serving Marines stationed at Cap Lejeune and surrounding areas. Military Fellowship Center is a ministry of Military Evangelism Incorporated. Our speaker and host for the program is Dave Mason, the General Director of Military Evangelism and the Field Director at Jacksonville visit us on the web at militaryfellowshipministry.com or email us at militaryfellowshipctr at gmail.com. Now, here's Dave Mason.
1: Welcome back to Field Notes. Today we are in John chapter 8, and we are at verse number 12, one of my favorite verses of all times. Uh, For those of you that don't know me that well, back in 2001 I planted a church, called Lighthouse Baptist Church in Darlington, Maryland. And this verse was our church verse. When Jesus spake, saying, I am the light of the world, he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And so this verse has meant a lot to me for a long time. And it's all about the Great Commission, to be honest with you. I mean, the Great Commission is to evangelize the lost, to baptize the saved, to disciple the saved and baptized. That's the mission statement of any decent, uh, real New Testament church. And here in John eight twelve, this is the purpose of the church. Here it is. This is why we evangelize. This is why we tell people about Jesus. Because He is the light of the world. And those that follow Him will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. That's our purpose as a church member, and I hope you are a part of a local Bible-believing church. If you're not, you need to be, because your purpose is to be a part of the church and evangelize the lost, disciple the saved, and then fellowship with your Lord and with each other. Jesus only left us two things on this earth. He left us the Word of God, and He left us each other. If you're neglecting either one of those, you're not a very good Christian. Let's be honest, because a Christian is a person who's Christ-like. Well, Christ left us those two things, and He wants you to engage in those two things, and you need to. And so, this verse this week is really the purpose of what church is. It is proclaiming that Jesus is the light of the world, that those who follow Him will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So, let's look at this. Uh, phrase by phrase through this verse this week, and uh, I, I'm sure that you'll be blessed by studying God's Word. It says, I am the light of the world. Now, remember, we've been these last few weeks at the Feast of Tabernacles, and Jesus has been preaching at the Feast of Tabernacles after saying He wouldn't go, and then sneaking into town uh, quietly uh, to to um, to uh, teach and preach. Um and, and during this time, in, um, in chapter 6, he stood up and said, I'm the bread of life, hearkening back to the manna in the wilderness. He stood up later and said, uh, when they were pouring the water out of the pool the water out of pool Siloam and pouring it over the, the altar, he stood up and said, I am the living water, hearkening back to the rock of Horeb. And, and now at the very end of the feast, they're going to be lighting huge candelabras, they're, now, the, the, you know, the, the manna, um, there are there's there's certain breads that are used during the Feast of Tabernacle to remind the children of Israel of the manna in the wilderness, how God provided. They pour the water from the pool, the water from the pool of Siloam, and pour it over the altar to remind them how God brought water out of a rock at Horeb. And now, at the very end, they're going to light this enormous candelabra, this huge menorah. And this is a reminder to the Jews of the pillar of fire that God sent to lead them through the desert by night. Remember, during the day, he put a pillar of cloud over them so they wouldn't be scorched by the desert sun. And then at night, he put a pillar of fire over the children of Israel to warm them and to guide them and lead them on those times when they had to travel at night. And so, Jesus stands as they do this, and he stands up and he says, I am that light. I'm not only the light, I'm the light of the whole world. You see, when you study your Bible, you've got to remember this. The Greeks sought after knowledge, the Romans sought after glory, but the Jews, they sought after light. See, to the Greek, it was just having knowledge. That was the thing. That's why the great philosophers were, were, were Greek. Uh, knowledge was the thing to know things, to, to have information. To the, to the Romans, all that mattered was power, glory, to, to be ruling. But to the Jew, light, which is revealed truth. That's what they wanted. They didn't just want information. They wanted the truth of that information revealed to them. Jesus says, I am that light. In John 1.4, it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now, what is light? Well, light is that force that pierces darkness. Light illuminates everything around itself. Uh, You you can't have dirty light. You can't have you know. There's either light or no light. Now, it might be low, but it's not dirty. It's pure at its at its core. What it is, it's pure. Light reveals truth. You're in a dark room, and there's no way for you to tell where the furniture is. You haven't been in this room before. And so what do you do? You 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 light a match. You light a candle. You pull out a flashlight. Um, flashlights are pretty recent inventions, really. I mean, we've had things of that nature. But for the most part, people lit themselves with lamps up until uh, the last 150 years or so. And... and and the lamps would cast light all across the room. And, and for just a little ways, you could see as the light bounced off of objects that was close to it. And so light reveals what's in that room. Light reveals what's around it. Light reveals the objects that are hidden in darkness. Listen to John 3.16. We all know this verse, but let me go on and read to you John 3.16-21. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, we know this, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believes on him is not condemned, but he that believes not is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. And so Jesus is saying very plainly, that he came to save, right? He came not to condemn, but to save. But everybody's already condemned. He that believes not is already condemned. And look at verse 19, and this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Folks, there's a reason bars and nightclubs are dark. It's because people want to hide their sins. There's a reason much of the sin that goes on in this world happens in darkness. Men want to hide the evil that they know they're doing. Listen to verse 20. For everyone that does evil hates the light, neither comes toward the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that does truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be manifest, that they are wrought in God. Light reveals the truth. And the truth is, is that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Now, here's my question. Do you believe that? If you do, and you've accepted His Son as your Lord and Savior, then tell someone about it. Spread that light. John fourteen six, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Now, if you believe that, if you truly believe that, There is no other way to heaven except through Jesus Christ. And so you have a responsibility, a duty to tell everybody you meet about this Jesus that you've met. Because if you don't, they may die without Christ and we know what happens to those who die without Christ. They spend eternity separated from God in a place called hell. That's not popular. People don't like that today. Nobody wants to hear that. It's something in the neighborhood of 70-80% of Americans believe in heaven, but only 30-some-odd percent believe in hell. Well, you can't have one without the other. You can't just believe in the things that you like. You also have to believe in the things that are true, even if they're uncomfortable. And if you believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, you need to tell somebody about it. See, the first great job of the church is evangelism. Jesus said He was the light, but back in Matthew 5.14, He says, You are the light of the world. He's saying to those who, right after he finishes the Beatitudes, he's getting into the similitudes, and he's talking directly to people who are living righteous lives because they've placed their faith in him, they, they they have been redeemed, they have been born again, and he's saying to those people, here, you are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill can't be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it gives light unto all that are in the house. Let your light... So shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We have a job. We have a job to let people see the light that's in us. If Jesus Christ dwells within you, light dwells within you. And you need to let that light out. Nobody lights a candle and then puts a, a, a wicker basket, a bushel basket over top of it so that nobody can see the candle. You put the candle on a candlestick so that it gives light to the whole room. God's put a light in you. Don't cover it up. You see, the purpose and intent of the church was and is evangelism. Nothing is closer to the heart of God. We're supposed to let people know about Jesus. And we can only accomplish this if we exhibit the light of Jesus, which is love. First John 4.10, Herein is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. And we do this, we, we let people see our light by being friends with people. We sing the old hymn in church, Jesus, Friend of Sinners. But how many sinners are you friends with? We like to get into church and get ourselves all cleaned up and then only hang out with clean people. And yet our Lord hung out with publicans and sinners. He hung out with the neer wells There's a story told back turn of the century, the turn of the Previous, previous century, from the 19th to the 20th century, of an old preacher walking home one night with his son. And his son is just surprised as the dad takes his hand, this preacher takes the hand of his son and turns and walks into a bar. And this little 10, 11-year-old boy is just shocked his dad took him in here. And there's there's people in this bar and they're all, they're red-faced and drunken and they're cursing and they're filthy and dad looks at his son and he says, son, these are the people Jesus Christ died for. I want you to live for Christ and bring these people to him. You see, the greatest privilege, the greatest honor in this universe is to tell a lost and dying person the old, old story of the Savior who came from glory. You know, you need to remember, as we look at this story, you know, Jesus standing up, the is being being lit, he's saying these things. And remember that the leaders had just tried to trap him with the adulterous woman. Right in the middle of this festival, they they bring this woman caught in adultery. We talked about it in the last episode. And and they try to they try to trap Jesus with this question about this adulterous woman. Listen, folks, our job is not to judge or convict or convince. Our job is to shine, to tell the story of of what Jesus did for us. It's like the old saying you can't you can lead a water a horse to water but you can't make him drink. That's true. You can lead a horse to water but you cannot make him drink. But you can salt his oats and make him thirsty. Listen, you can't make everybody you talk to come to Jesus. That's just not happening. It's not going to happen. But you can live your life in such a way That they see the light of Jesus in you and they want what you have. If the body of Christ is going to be all it can be, evangelism, shining the light of Jesus must be number one in priority. If you belong to the church with an outward focus, your church will have little time for inward heartache. So, Jesus says, if you He says, number one, I'm the light of the world. And then number two, if you follow me, you'll not walk in darkness. You'll no longer be in the dark. See, the first job of the church is to shine the light of Jesus. The second job of this church is to make sure that those we see saved do not continue to walk in their old ways. Now, this is accomplished in steps. The very first step of that is baptism. It is scripturally identifying with Christ. It is being placed under the water, because the word baptize means to submerge. If you find an old cookbook somewhere, sometimes you'll read in there and it says, you know, you have to baptize your vegetables. It won't say soak; it'll say baptize them and keep them under the water. That's that's the that's what the word means. Why? Because baptism is a picture, a symbol, a representation of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And as Jesus suffered on the cross and died for our sins, giving up the ghost on our behalf, and then was buried in a borrowed tomb, but He didn't stay in that tomb. That's the thing. He didn't stay there. Three days later, he came up out of the grave and was victorious over the grave. And the only the only remnants of his old life were the scars in his hands and his feet and his side. And in the same way, we go under the water, picturing our dying to our sins because Christ has made us new. And we come back up. We don't stay under the water. We still, we don't stay there because we're not going to stay dead forever. We go under to symbolize that we've died to our sins. We come up out of the water to show that we're new creatures in Christ. And now we, before our congregation, before the witnesses there, are making us this solemn vow a commitment to live as Christ, scripturally identifying with him. So, the first way we, we make sure that folks do not continue in their old ways is to get them baptized. It's the first step of the first response of an obedient heart to Christ. The second job of the church is to discipline and disciple. To discipline and disciple. To get people into the discipline of study. The discipline of investigating the scriptures. See, discipleship. Discipleship is not just the job of the pastor, the Sunday school teacher, or the parent. Discipleship is the job of every single person who names Christ as our Lord and Savior. If you call yourself a Christian, you have to be involved in discipleship. You have to discipline yourself to be a disciple, and then you have to actively help disciple others. Matthew 28:19, the great commission. Go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. The command is ye. (laughs) In our old King James, when you see a a pronoun, start with the letter Y, it means plural. T is singular. Y is plural. Go ye. Uh, To put it into North Carolina, parlance, where I live now. Go all y'all. (laughs) Go every one of you. This isn't a command to the preacher or to the deacon. This is a command to every single person who names the name of Christ, go into the world, baptizing and teaching all things to observe everything that I've commanded. Teaching is so very important. You know, our modern church a Sunday school has fallen out of favor. We have, um, we have life groups, we have small groups and things like that, and there's nothing wrong with that, and I, I absolutely... Commend churches that do that, and if you can keep that going, that's wonderful. But I tell you, there's something about getting up an hour earlier, getting to church a little bit earlier, and committing an extra hour of your time to be with a group of people, looking into the Scripture, asking questions, getting answers. There's something about that. That creates healthy, growing reproducing followers of Jesus Christ, and that's what every church needs. Listen, if each person who's listening to me now, every person who listens to me now, who names the name of Christ, if you will become that, this little group of us will change the world in a few years. There's a little over 800, 900 people listening to this podcast on a weekly basis now. If just you eight or nine hundred are listening, if you will just do that, if you'll get involved in study in real, in regular, disciplined discipleship, and then pass that on. You see, discipleship means showing a new or a young Christian how to live that life for Christ, how to follow Jesus and not walk in darkness. That can't just be taught in the classroom. I mean it starts there, sure. We need Sunday school small groups, life groups, whatever you call it, we need that, but it doesn't end there. Because discipleship must be shown through your life. If you want to help a young person follow Christ, don't go up to him and tell them what's wrong. With them, don't go up to them and tell them your jeans are too skinny, you you shouldn't have rips and tears in your clothes, You, you, you shouldn't be piercing your body. Don't go up to them and just be beating them over the head about the things that you don't like about their personal style or the way they do things. Instead, take them out to lunch. Seriously, take them out to lunch. And then share with them some stories of your successes and your failures as a Christian. Show them that this life isn't always... Easy, but it's always worth it. I mean, hey, why do you think they called Jesus a wine-bibber and a glutton? He was always sitting around eating and drinking with folks. He was always having a, having a, a conversation over a meal. Constantly. Go out and be a Titus 2, a Titus 2 man or a woman. Be that older person in the faith who takes a younger person under their, under their wing and, and, and teaches them and guides them. See, Christ gives light to see salvation's need. He gives the Holy Spirit. But the new Christian still needs the instruction of the elder Christian in order to grow in the Lord. You see, I don't have time to do that. I can't do that. You just don't understand, Dave. I've got too much on my plate. I don't have time for all of that. Well, I would remind you of the words of Martin Luther, the great reformer. And he said this, A religion that gives nothing costs nothing, and suffers nothing, is worth nothing. I'll leave it at that. So Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of light. Fellowship. Fellowship. Bertha was standing in line at the post office one day, and she's talking with the man behind her, and She mentioned that all she was doing was getting some stamps. And the man said, well, why don't you walk over to that machine and and get your stamps there? Why are you waiting in line? She goes, well, the machine can't ask me about my arthritis. You see, we all need some kind of contact, some kind of fellowship. See, the third job of the church is creating a place for fellowship. The first job is to evangelize. The second job is to uh, disciple. The third job is to create a place for fellowship, fellowship with our Lord and with each other. Jesus says, "You'll have the light of life if you follow him. the light of life." He said, I, He said in another place, I, I didn't." He says, "I came to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly." how do you know if you're truly having fellowship with Christ? Well, a really good indication of that is whether or not you're having fellowship with other Christians. If you're not in regular fellowship with other Christians, you're probably not in fellowship with your Lord. 1 John one six. if we say that we have fellowship with Him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanses us from all our sins. If you're out of fellowship with your church, there's a good chance, great chance, I can almost say with certainty, if you're out of fellowship with your church, you're out of fellowship with your Lord. 1 John 4.20, if a man say, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he that loves not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he's not seen? And this is the commandment we have from him, that he who loves God loves his brother also. Church is the place where you go to meet God's people. I need the church. You need the church. We all need a place where we can come and unburden ourselves. There's a great danger here, though. We often seem to get these turned around. And we make fellowship more important than discipleship. Right? There's a story of a uh, local lighthouse. I'm not sure what coast it was on, but they had a rescue team at this lighthouse that was very successful. They pulled so many from shipwrecks and saved so many lives. And so many people in the community wanted to be a part of that team. So they had to build a team meeting hall next to the lighthouse. Soon the fellowship of the team was so large and with so many meetings and activities that few actually wanted to go out and do the rescues. One day was a shipwreck, and two team members actually went out and brought the survivors in. And many of the folks in the fellowship were upset that the carpet had gotten wet and dirty. furniture was soiled. Why would you bring them in here? This is our fellowship hall. The next day there was a division, and the two rescuers moved down the shore and set up a small, humble rescue station and started saving lives. While the fellowship continued. Let's see, folks, listen. We don't need <laughs> fellowship to overtake evangelism and discipleship. We need fellowship, but we need to keep it in its place. And remember the reason we're together, keeping the main thing the main thing. And so what is the light of life? It's Jesus. In Him was life, and the life was the light of of men, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Isn't that amazing? The Bible's so clear, so it just puts everything right where it needs to be. listen to this one. and this is life eternal John 17:3This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. that's the light of life. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Do you have the light of life? See, in each of our lives, we need to determine to keep our priorities in order. We need to make sure that we're first reaching the lost and then involved in discipling them and then investing our lives in them, keeping a place of sweet fellowship where we can encourage each other to both stay in fellowship with our Lord and to keep going out and reaching the lost. Jesus is the light of the world. Is he the light of your world? Does his light shine out of you into everyone you meet? Thanks for listening today. Until next time, I'm Dave Mason.
0: Thank you for joining us for Field Notes. If you have been blessed by the preaching and teaching you have heard, consider visiting our website, at MilitaryFellowshipMinistry.com and click the Donate button. Any amount will be a great help to us as we continue to reach our men and women in the military with the gospel. Join us next week as we continue our study of God's Word. God bless you.